emergency podcast territory, guys. Another one, Aroles Chapman signs with the Kansas City Royals. All the smoke, all the hype, all the Twitter buzz. Aroles Chapman signs with the Royals. What are the Marlins going to be doing to address this bullpen? Johnny Cueto also finally announced. And what an announcement and an entrance it was. Absolutely stunning from Johnny Cueto. But the collateral damage. Dan the Man Castano, the Italian Stallion, the Cowboy, DFA'd. We're going to dig into that, plus some other news and notes, all on today's show, including Sean Barrett on today's Locked On Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast. I, of course, am your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK. Actually, right now on Twitter, Marlins Twitter madness is rolling. So not just hit me up, but hit the votes. I'm heading up head to head against the GOAT, Craig Mish. Uh, I think Craig is leading at this point as well. So uh, votes are required, uh, but not necessary. Uh, We'll wait and see. But guys... If you are listening to the pod, hit subscribe, leave a review. Why not? And there is a there is a YouTube channel. It is also called Locked On Marlins. You see what we did there. And you will see Sean Barrett is in the house. Cap looking flames. Uh, Sean Barrett, the UK goat. How are we doing, brother? Yeah, the cap might be looking flames. What underneath it isn't. That's why I'm wearing the cap. But glad to join you, Pete. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to go for the, uh, the, the disguising cap to hide... Maybe some of the sins underneath. I don't know if that's the right way of phrasing it. But anyway, guys, uh, welcome to Locked On Marlins. It's Thursday, the 19th of Jan. This is an emergency part, kind of. Big news dropping. Aroldis Chapman has signed with the Royals. One-year deal, $3.7 million, uh, reported at the moment. Maybe some contract accelerators in there, some performance-based stuff. We'll wait and see on the full breakdown. But fundamentally, the base salary for Aroldis Chapman, $3.7 million. Um, in my opinion there, uh, interesting move there for the Kansas City Royals and uh, probably worth a flyer, I would say. Um, Sean Barrett, your immediate reaction here on Aroldis to the Kansas City Royals and what he does for that ball club. Uh, well, firstly, what he does for that ball club is is not much because I don't <laughs> I don't think they're doing anything this year. No. For me, it makes it a really weird move because mm. whether or not well, you have your your thoughts on it, and you, I think you are quite excited for him to be at the Marlins. I'm probably at the other end of that that spectrum. I didn't expect him to be signed by any team. I think the visuals of that are, are just are, are too ugly. Um, not to mention how his season ended last year with the Yankees. Yeah. It was it was a difficult situation. But you're right in the sense of it's a low dollar amount. I think there'll mm. be some incentives in there. You know that, that case of. <laughs> We want to see you on the field, so there's probably going to be some innings-based um, or games-ended-based incentive yeah. there. Um, but yeah, interesting that he got signed to begin with for me, yeah. uh, any team, and and definitely an interesting move by the Royals. It could be a case of they know they're not going anywhere, so they're going to eat the bad publicity and then look to trade him at the deadline, see yeah. if he, he can 
rehabilitate his image. But the further away that the distance is and, and halfway through the season, if he's pitching well, then another team might you know might pull the plug. And uh, they'll look to trade him like like the Marlins do often with like Romo and, and various other pitchers that they've done in the past. Sign these guys to short deals and, and look to to get some profit on them in, in the mid season. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, feels to me, Aroldis uh, Chapman in the AL Central. It feels like a, a wonderful fit, to be honest with you. It really does. <laughs> so, uh, just just to kind of pick it up here on on Aroldis, I think you know, clearly there was you know some, well he was in in the Miami or in the Florida area. And he was having these bullpens. By all accounts, the Marlins were present at a recent bullpen, which I believe was yesterday. That's Wednesday. Um, And the Marlins, I believe, were in attendance of that. Not many other teams seemingly were and were that interested in Chapman. To me, that's probably a sign that maybe the Marlins, you know, it probably wasn't the right play. Um, and we've just uh, heard now as well from from Craig Mish. Just as we hit record, Craig Mish always on you know finger on the pulse here with the Marlins. No formal offer was ever presented to a Roldis Chapman. The Marlins may have checked in, but never made a dollar uh, move for him. And uh, you know, eventually signs for the Royals. There was a little bit of some wonky reporting going on last night, but we'll we'll gloss over that. It's all good fun. Listen, it's it's Twitter. It's fun. We're all excited. We're all fans. Um, but in the end, the Marlins miss out. That's not the right way of phrasing it, but they they don't go down the pathway of a Roldis. The question now, though, Sean, for me, is what are they doing with this leverage pen? I just can't get away from Alex Reyes. I just can't get my mind away from him. Just thinking, is there a better fit for the Marlins right now than Alex Reyes? All of that potential. Yes, the injury history. Um, but really, for me, I, I just get the sense they could get a really great dollar deal um, that would work for them. And if things go well, if they end up getting the upside play of this, you could end up with a legitimate ninth inning guy there that's one of the best in the league, in my opinion. So, I mean, I'd love for the Marlins to make it happen. I'm not completely clear where we're up to in terms of his injury rehabilitation and whether, you know, clearly that's a big factor. But Sandy Alcantara has been pumping Alex Reyes uh, all offseason. There are those connections, mate. But just talk to me. Aroldis, you were never in on. And in reality, neither was I. But I've always been on Alex Reyes. What about you on him? Yeah, I mean, the main thing is, and you've spoke about it already, is that injury history. Mm. Didn't pitch at all last year. And I think it is a case of if he is fully healthy or if he's returning to full health, I think at this point, you kick the tyres on him. I mean, there's that relationship there, as you said, with Sandy and a few of the other guys in in the in the team. So it's it's kind of it, it makes too much sense not to do it. When you look at the rest of the free agency market or what's left of the free agency market now, as far as relievers, there's you literally look talking about the last couple of guys that have any value or, or had any value last year. Um, closing experiences is almost nil. So I think. It is a case of with Alex Reyes, you've got the guy that you know has got this electric stuff. He's yeah. returning from from a major injury. He's still young. There's still you know there's still plenty of tread on those tires if he is healthy. I think. Yeah. And I think yeah, it just makes too much sense in in the idea that they aren't they aren't going to find a better if healthy arm in free agency now. Whether or not they pick up a couple of guys via trade um, would be uh, would be now the only other way to get a good guy in. I mm. think 
as I said, there were a few last couple of guys. Andrew Chafin is, is one guy that I think is is probably an interesting idea. And, and look, the, the Marlins bullpen is at the point where you could bring in two or three or four guys. Um, and we're now at the market now where you're talking about bringing guys in on non-guaranteed contracts. This is where we are now with these guys. So, yeah, you start bringing in these arms and you, through, you know, pitching and catching, pre-season training and spring training, yeah. you get to have a look at these guys. Um, but there isn't, there isn't that star guy out there anymore. You know, there isn't that guy with closing experience that's walking through that door in free agency. So, yeah, it's that point where we start kicking the tires on, on guys that we hope can return to former glory. Absolutely. And listen, Alex Reyes' last season, the last time he pitched in 2021, um, he was an all-star. We've got to call that out. It was a, a 10 and 8 year for him. Uh, but there were, how many saves did he have? He had 29 saves. 29 saves. Um, and, you know, listen, it was it was electric stuff. Um, 72 innings of work, 29 saves. You know, it was the real deal. Real deal from him. And I think the Marlin, it's a perfect fit. You know, they're going to need to... And, and Floro's still around. This is the thing. And, and, you know, looking back, Dylan Floro, he flies under the radar. It's not a sexy name by any stretch. It's not electric stuff. By any stretch. But Dylan Floro has, has been really effective for the Marlins. And he's got that experience. He's got, you know, the age around, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like, he can perfectly fill the ninth. But adding in Reyes and maybe not having to force him into the ninth kind of straight away and immediately, I think could be great. And just kind of build Reyes up, you know, almost maybe slot him into the Bassman role. Get him in the seventh for, uh, you know, a couple of weeks. But it just gives the Marlins just more punch, more punch at the back end. I feel like it's kind of Dylan Floro doing what Dylan Floro does and then kind of mixing and matching those lefties, mate, with Blyer and um, Okert. And obviously, you know, Tanner Scott has got electric stuff, but we know the control isn't there. And that's it. He's always walking a tightrope, Tanner Scott. And so he personally, and I just want to ask you about him, I the upside is amazing with Tanner Scott. And just I'm I'm very intrigued whether a you know a full off season. You know, let's not forget how late that trade happened, where it's pretty much like you're into the season straight away um, with that trade. A full off season of work with Mel Stottlemyre kind of guiding the way. You know, I'm very intrigued to see what Tanner Scott can be in 23 because we've seen it with like a Jesus Lazardo. They come in, they're raw, they're a bit erratic. Next thing is, you know put the glasses on him and all of a sudden, you know, they they've really, they can really turn it. And that's what we saw with Lazardo, the full off season with Mel, you know, what do you think about Tanner Scott? I mean, we've seen what we've seen. Are you still hopeful there's another tier or another level you can go to? I think one thing you've got to factor in with relievers is the idea that from one season to the next can be completely different. I mean, yeah. it happened with Bass last year. Yeah, true. You know, it, it is a case of you never get consistent. You don't often get consistency with relievers. Let's put it that way. No. So yes, if he can, I mean, he's never going to be a free walk per nine guy. He's always going to have that bit of wildness. But we, we for a little while in, at the beginning of the season, we're talking about that number being a little bit lower, and he looked a little bit better. 
And as the season dragged on, he, he, he fell away. But it is that case of if you can just get that number down to sort of like a four, four and a half maybe, it's always going to be reasonably high because the stuff is just so electric and you can only control it so much. Uh, with Flora, I just want to factor in one thing with Flora. That second half from Flora was fantastic. Yeah. And and even before the start, that's just an arbitrary number. Uh it was the beginning of the year. Coming back from that injury, he was he rushed back a little bit, I would say, and they needed him on the field. Um, the, the closing situation was was dire to begin the season. Yeah, so it was. I think if Floro can be anywhere near what he was in the second half over a full season, I think you're looking at a sub three ERA, you know, thirty cost to save kind of guy. So yeah. I think we need to remember that. That that there is that there is that possibility still in this bullpen. I don't think the Marlins are going to go and get a a better closer in the in the market now than they have got in Floro. But no. they they still need to add some some late inning guys. Yeah, they do, and this is it. Like Floro's numbers, you go and look at them, and yeah, to your point though, Sean, you know you can count on Floro being a sub three three ERA guy, and a you know. 1.1 whip kind of dudes like the numbers are great the name isn't amazing it's not that sexy um the stuff isn't electric or anything but he's effective it's kind of like it, you know it was kind of like a an evolution of brandon kinsler in that 2020 year where it kind of like then evolved into to dylan floro like these guys and i remember back to brandon kinsler there was he was talking about that um the final uh, the, the final outs when the Marlins actually made the postseason in 2020. And Kinsler talked about it and uh, he talked specifically what he was trying to do in his head with every pitch. I think it was to DJ LeMayhew from memory where he was saying he wanted to get to LeMayhew, who was actually having an amazing year in 2020, but he went into specifics about what he was trying to do, how he was going to attack him and could he execute. And it was just amazing to listen to that from, from Kinsler. And this is the thing. These dudes, they just know what they're doing. They know how to get guys out. They're smart as hell. Dylan Floro is in that in that category. And so, but the other thing we have to think about here, Short, is good chance Dylan Floro, uh, uh, he's, he's a free agent after this season. Good chance Dylan Floro will likely be traded at some point in 2023 if things have gone sideways for the Marlins. Let's hope not. I really hope that we don't have to have this conversation. And actually, we're talking about acquiring some dudes along the way, but a decent shot. And that's why I think Alex Reyes, he's got a pedigree. The Marlins already have Floro in there now to do what he needs to do. But if they can get a deal with Reyes that allows him 2023 to kind of build back up, and then they see the benefit at the back end of 23 into 24 and have the option into 20, you know what I mean? Like you end up with this kind of option-heavy deal where the Marlins kind of allow him to rebuild with them. And then when he's up to full speed, the Marlins get the benefit back. For me, that feels absolutely perfect. A one-year commit with maybe two option years with like an upward curve in terms of the actual dollar amounts. So we'll wait and see. Um, you know, when you go and look at, I was looking here at uh, Tanner Scott's numbers, like Tanner Scott's whiplash. And he had 20 saves, Tanner Scott. That still shocks me. But he had a 161 whip. Um, versus Floro that's kind of like in the you know 1.1 kind of range. So way too many walks for Tanner Scott, and that will always be his Achilles there on that one. Uh, let's briefly let you know about our good friends over at Bet Online, and then once we've done that, we will return back here 
and start to talk about Johnny Cueto and the roster move that was made today. But betonline.net, it is your number one source, of course, for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. All the latest odds out there. Every league out there, professional or amateur, does not matter. They've got it covered. They've got it all. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Okay. A lot of reliever talk there, Sean. I wasn't expecting us to go that deep, but yeah, it's an interesting area. I mean, this Aroldis Chapman domino effect uh, has got me thinking. Let's talk about another reliever uh, that's been a starter too, uh, but the Marlins had to clear a spot for Johnny Cueto. We'll talk about his actual entrance uh, into his uh, announcement today, which was sensational shortly. But uh, the collateral damage mate, Dan the Man Castano, the stallion, was DFA'd. Zero minor league options available on Dan. Um, I think that was probably the main reason for the decision. Um, what's your take, though, on, on, on this decision, DFA and Dan Castano? I, I think a lot of people, you know, they were, they were looking at guys like Nance. Um, mm. Van, um, and expecting that to be the case, and and I was kind of that kind of makes sense. I, if if the Marlins had done that, then I, I would have had no arguments with that uh, personally. And but to be honest, Castano, you can put in that category. You know, it is a case of it, it's a guy. He is a guy that can give you some length, which is always valuable. Yeah. And I think the question is: is does a team pick him up, knowing that they'll have to have him on the forty man? And, and and the twenty six man, yeah, on, on the active roster as well. Yeah. I think realistically, this is probably a calculated decision. This is a situation where yeah. he'll he'll pass, and, and he'll be you know he'll be a guy that can come up in well as as and when is required, and with the way that baseball is, he will be required to pitch. Um, it would be great to see him still in the Marlins jersey. I like him. I like the character. Me too. Um, as far as the pitching, it's it's yeah, he's he's an innings eater at this point. He's a guy that's going to come up and and he's going to help you out when you need it. But you're not expecting six quality innings night after night. You you're expecting four or five innings, trying yeah. to keep you in the game if the offense is having a hot night, <laughs> which is yeah, I guess. yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> that's, that's why why he's uh... chances of that are probably slim to none. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think you've summed up Dan's profile really well there because for me, Dan Castano, he he is and was like the ultimate, um, you know, seven inning double header guy. When I think back to 2020 and you you had a lot of these kind of seven inning games going on and they were trying to, you know, because the Marlins had this COVID issue and they were trying to squeeze in games. They were leading on Castano tons. I mean, not only because of seven-inning doubleheaders, but also the fact that everyone was on the COVID IL uh, for a period. But, you know, a five-inning dude, reliable dude, a lefty, nice guy, you know, had a lot about him. Kind of like, I, I guess, in the mold of Braxton Garrett, but not quite the stuff of Braxton Garrett in some ways is, is maybe how I would describe him. But, you know, you look at his Marlins career in total, you know, he's had 85 innings of work at the major league level with the Marlins, uh, 17 uh, starts included in that. And overall, 85 innings worth of work, a 389 ERA. So Dan the Man Castano, he would fill a role 
at any at any given time, and uh, and he was effective in his own way. Uh, okay, the FIP is like you know more like four point eight or whatever. So you know the FIP's a bit higher, um, and he was a big part of that twenty twenty run when we needed everyone and everyone had to perform. I remember him coming in clearly. Uh, what the last game of the year, the last but one game um, when Urania took one. Uh, comebacker and Dan Castano basically had to pitch the rest of the game. So he's that kind of guy. You know, to your point, we were maybe expecting one of the relievers or whatever, but they've all got options, these guys, the relievers. And I think that's probably Dan's issue is he's got no minor league options. But I think Eli made this point really well on Twitter earlier that a lot of 40-mans are full now. A lot of rosters are already filled. And so to your point as well, calculated risk here, DFAM, he may well clear waivers, can be outrighted, and then likely added to the roster down the line when the Marlins need him in, at some point in 2023. Uh, I think that's probably the most likely outcome. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I think it is a case of they, they, they know that he's probably going to pass. I don't think any team is going to sit with him on their on their active roster. And, and in that sense, it's, it's strange that that wasn't the obvious decision. Yeah. Yeah. Beforehand, no one, I didn't hear Castano's name once. No. Uh, I saw the, the chatter of who it could be. And to be honest, we've been waiting off quite a while. It's, it's, they, the Marlins really did drag their feet and wait till the very last second. It was a case of during the announcement. Of it was. The, the, press comp, the press release was made because yeah. they couldn't make the press release to say that he'd been added without saying who had been taken away. And they literally waited until the last second. He was walking on the field as they made that decision or at least announced it. Um, so they waited for a long time um, and, and literally no chat about it, that being a possibility. That's so funny, mate, because literally that is the way it went down, where Johnny Cueto is literally right at the back in like center field or whatever in, in, in Lone Depot, walking on with the flag around him, music pumping. Um, and literally he's like, you know, halfway to the mound. And that's when the news drops. <laughs> it's, uh, it was that kind of... Uh, that close to the wire. But to me, that probably indicates that like, there's a lot going on. Clearly we know there's a lot going on behind the scenes and cutting it that fine says to me, you know, that was the backup plan in many ways like that. We think we can sneak Castano through waivers anyway, but to leave it that late, literally that late says to me that they maybe were expecting something else to be breaking, happening, et cetera, et cetera. But Things don't. They don't want to rush it just for the sake of Dan Castano. The Marlins and Kim, they have to get the best deal right now. They're in the perfect situation. I've talked about in this pod multiple times. No one's selling pitching now. Absolutely no one is selling pitching. And the Marlins are selling four, you know, two, three, four starters, however you want to kind of, however you look at them. Um, they're selling mid to top of the rotation starters, and no one is doing that. And so the Marlins now have free reign to make a stunning deal. Stunning deal. Just on that, though, Sean, there's been some rumors circulating about the Cardinals uh, in the last you know, couple of days, the Pablo Lopez to the Cardinals. Uh, what was your take on that? And I don't know how well you know the Cardinals uh, organization system, et cetera, but was there anything that kind of stood out to you that got the juices flowing around the Cardinals, perhaps? To be honest, not really, apart from the fact that I... I hate the Cardinals. I, I think I think I've said that a few times. You have, and the reason why I hate them is because 
they're they're so competitive, aren't they? They're always yeah. they're just good. They're, they're a machine. They're good, and and the thing is, they they get these players through these like workman like players. Yeah, um, and you know it is that case of if we can pick up a guy. I think I was it Lars Nukbar. Yeah, I mean major league. 80 grade name there for sure. Yeah, I think the, the most challenging thing for me at the moment is how little um, you know noise that there is about the return from any team because Pablo Lopez is a number one, and and you hear people on Twitter, and it's Twitter, but you hear people on Twitter talking about the idea of oh well we don't want to give up that guy for this number four star or this guy yeah, for this yeah. number. Four and you're like, this is. We know Pablo Lopez, and we know what he, he is, and what he did last year specifically. And one look at his numbers tells you that you're not going to pick up a guy like Pablo Lopez without giving up a top fifty prospect at the very least, hundred percent, or a guy that's you know the Marlins really do need to be looking at getting a major league, exp- you know, early into his career at the major league level. Lars Nubar. Uh, no, not what's his name? <laughs> it is last new bar. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. You know, he struggled at the major league level, um, but he is a he's a he's a top prospect. Obviously, I think it's a case of I'd prefer a more experienced guy than that. Mm. Um, just because this whoever they trade for Pablo is going to be pretty much penciled in to the starting lineup. And you can't be doing that. But yeah, you can't be doing that for ifs, buts, and maybes. You need a you need a genuine guy that you can trust. Um, and in Newbar, I, I don't personally see that from from the numbers. Obviously, I haven't seen him swing a bat in my life. I don't think. Um, but I can look at his numbers, and you know, he walks a lot, but the strikeouts are still there. There's power in that bat, but that that swing and miss is going to keep that contract rate low. And if you look at what the Marlins are doing recently, bringing in these high contact, high seat, mm. floor, low ceiling guys, yeah. probably an old regime, not an old regime, because we're only talking the last couple of years. But they were they were going for toolsy guys, weren't they? You know these power, these speedy guys um, that couldn't hit the baseball. Um, they, they've changed now to a more high contact situation. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're only ever going to sign guys like that, but. For me, Newt Bar's too raw. He's too far away for what the Marlins need. Um, but yeah, at the moment, it does seem like the Marlins are getting shortchanged on what teams want to offer for for Pablo. Yeah. And if that means they've got to wait till June, then then maybe that's the right decision. We talked about this for so long. If the if they if they make a trade to just make a trade mm. and underwhelming return, that can set the team back for two or three more years of the Sandy window and, and we'll be bemoaning that for the next five years. Yeah. If, if the right trade isn't there and you have to wait till June, then you have to wait till June. You have to. Uh, I just can't, I, I can't imagine how the right trade can't be there in these trading editions. I just, I just can't imagine it. There's just so many teams that are interested in these types of players. Pretty much every locked on host right now is having episodes talking about the Marlin starters and trying to acquire one of them or multiple of the Marlin starters. Literally every host is doing an episode. I've just seen the Cardinals just posted their episode just about 10 minutes ago. Um, and I've been listening to the Twins, the Red Sox, the Angels did one a few weeks back too. Um, even the A's, I think, might have done one as well. That's, uh, you know, because they were maybe thinking about Loriano trade. I don't know. But yeah, we'll wait and see. I, I think 
you know, the Cardinals is an interesting fit to your point. And we can't forget as well, Skip Schumacher, obviously, you know, ex-Cardinal. Um, and he did talk about on uh, Miami Mic'd Up how what kind of baseball are you going to play, Skip? Boring baseball, you know. And that sounds like Cardinal baseball in many ways because they're just a machine. They're fundamentally sound because they just do the little things well. It isn't that sexy to watch. It's not that exciting. It's not very Miami, to be honest. You know, we want Johnny Cueto walking out with, you know, the music pumping, the flag around, the shades on, and we think, hey, let's go. Let's go. That's more Miami. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Skip is from that, you know, that's the way he's been built. That's how he's seen success as well. And so, you know, maybe they're happy building a ton of these guys. And just to kind of finish up here, because we are – Approaching 30 minutes, so we're we're running long, uh, but standard. Um, Guriel was mentioned. Um, he he followed the Marlins on Instagram. Now he's unfollowed them. I don't know what that means. Um, they've met they've met twice by all accounts, though Guriel and the Marlins. So that to me says there is a, a level of interest. Whether they've um, put a contract to Guriel, not sure. Um, we'll find out, I guess, at some point. What's your take on him? 2021, absolutely brilliant. Uh, 2022, absolutely not brilliant. Um, he's 38, you know, right-handed hitter, first base, you know, backup maybe. I don't know. I mean, where's your head on on, on that? Is that kind of what the Marlins need to be adding here at this point? It's, it's interesting because Guriel, um, you know, high-contact guy, mm. much power in the bat, first baseman, but he's made a, he's made a very long career of mm. doing what he's done. The question is, which of him do you get? Do you get the batting champion all-star from yeah. two years ago, or do you get the guy with a point, negative 0.9 war that he had last year? Mm. I mean, something in the middle? Maybe, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. But it's, yeah, for me, he if the Marlins bring him in, and look, they need to do something at first base. If they're bringing him here in, would he be happy to be a part-time player? I wouldn't call him a bench player because I think he'd get enough reps that he'd be a part-time player. But him and Cooper are going to share first base. Cooper's going to play some, some DH. So maybe yeah. he does get 75% of the playing time at first base. Yeah. Uh, been on performance, of course. Um, so there is that opportunity for him at, at the Marlins. And they need to do something and... And again, we're so deep now in the free agency that you're talking a one-year deal, a couple million. Um, you know, if, if you can stay on the field and hit, you know, above your weight, then you'll earn some money. If not, then we're probably going to end up releasing him by May because how, how long could... Well, this is a Marlins question of yeah. how long can you have a negative war player on the field? I mean, Christ... We had three or four of them for half a season last year. We did. We did. Let's let's not look backwards, I don't think. But the, the thing is, mate, and just to kind of segue into Coop as the final, final point, uh, there was, you know, he, he jumped onto Twitter today, dropping some some videos. I'm sure you've, you know, rewatched them multiple times. I have too. Um, it was, you know, it was looking sweet. Um, I just wanted to to talk about this, though, briefly. The, the assumption here is that, you know, Jorge Soler is going to be DHing. That that you know seemed to be the way we've all settled in on this. But I, I do wonder if they, you know, if they still think about as maybe the outfield options. They maybe struggle to get a deal done, and you know things start to look a bit sticky in that area. Think actually, do you know what? 
let's put Soler back out of left field. You know what? If we can get a first baseman in here that can that can fill a you know a job in Guriel, perhaps, um, and we get some sort of bounce back from Guriel, and then you know we don't want Coop out there every day playing first base. Like you know we don't. Um, you know half the time you know half the time we want him DH in. Um, so and I, I think that's for me what I prefer for Coop is more time DHing than first basing, to be honest. We've seen, you know, the history injury has been a bit erratic, mainly linked to him playing in, in right field, to be honest, though. But nevertheless, he did get have, have his, obviously, his elbow injury at first base as well. Um, I'd, I'd personally like to protect Coop as much as we can in that DH spot. I think Soler was fine in left field, albeit we don't quite know the, the status of Soler's back either and whether, you know, that, the fielding element is going to kind of feed into that as well. So I don't know. We've got a bit of a tricky conundrum here where you've got Soler and Coop. You're trying to protect them both. Use the DH spot. Um, but I think Soler is going to need to see some time in the field. What about you? I think the, the, the one way to sort of figure this out early will be how he comes into shape in spring training. Yeah. If you remember last year, um, Coop came in looking bigger he looks even bigger now um and he'd been told you're not playing the outfield anymore you're going to be DHing mostly and playing yeah. first base he actually ended up playing more at first base than he did at dh um but most of his injuries last year actually were just hit by pitches so it wasn't so much from playing first base if sola comes in looking slight for him yeah yeah slight for him that would say to me that Marlins probably have said to him, like they did with Coop last year, we're going to need to see you in left field a bit more. So maybe yeah. you know, focus on that part of your, for your of your body ready for spring. Um, mm-hmm. Now, obviously, he doesn't necessarily have to listen to that um, because a bit like Avi did. But if, Avi if, didn't listen. Yeah, <laughs> uh, if Sola comes in looking a little bit lighter than previous years, to me that would be a very clear sign early on that the Marlins have told him that they expect to see him in the field a little bit and he should be prepared for that. Mm. This is it. The, the plans may have been Soler at DH and, you know, primary DH. You know, they'll always cycle that spot anyway. We, we've seen that and, you know, whatever. But plans sometimes need to change. Things need to happen. You go, do you know what? Soler, we're going to need you out in, in, in left field a little bit more than we'd anticipated um, because we think we can get this guy at first base. That frees Coop up, you know, to... BDH and we'll wait and see. We're running long on this one, so we'll we'll wrap it up here, guys. Um, I appreciate everyone making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. The breaking news has dropped. Uh, Aroldis Chapman signs with the Royals, uh, not with the Marlins. Johnny Cueto, though, it is official. Dana Mancastano has been DFA'd as the uh, collateral damage on that one. Uh, I think we're both aligned on Alex Reyes being a really nice option for the Marlins bullpen, both for this year and for multiple years after uh, if they can find a nice deal on that one. Um, guys, we'll be back. You know the drill. Locked on Marlins is always back. If there's news to be had, we'll be on it for you guys, of course. Myself, Sean Barrett, the UK GOAT, uh, signing out. Back soon.